American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Bearded Bastards Radio right here on American Hammers Radio. Uh, welcome to season three, episode two. We're going to try to do a lot better than last time. We listened back. We know it was shit, but do not worry. We are back. I am joined with the one, the only, the legendary, the tatted wonder himself, Liam Bright. How are you this evening, Liam? Oh, I'm just doing fantastic. I feel like it's uh, disingenuous to call me the tatted wonder when you as well support sport some ink on, on those arms and you have that really nice Betty Boop tattoo on your left butt cheek. So, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, I know you like looking at it. Let's be 100% honest. Well, I just I, I thought it was weird the first time you showed up to record and you were you were wearing assless chaps. But at this point, I mean, we've been at this like three years now. I'm just used to it. Okay, I can identify with my pants any way that I choose. <laughs> so uh, I've learned this because you know we all know the the new magic word in America is I'm offended. You whatever you want. <laughs> I'm offended. Um, Insert offense here. <laughs> uh, well, once again, welcome in. Uh, wish it was a little bit of a happier tone for this show. Obviously, uh, West Ham fell um, over the weekend to the champions, Man City, two 0 We we thought it was going to go a different route. But in light of that loss, we are going to sip on Grandpa's old cough syrup, and that is the whiskey. So um, what we're sipping on this evening is, uh, and yes, we will take a sponsorship at any time. Oh, we're yes. sipping on uh, Vermont's finest, Whistle Pig, and this is a special edition whiskey called the Smokestock. So Liam, to uh, fuck Earring Holland... <laughs> And I'm not going to say his first name right. Erling, Earling, whatever the fuck it may be. Um, we're going to take a little sip of whiskey because that that guy is fucking good. Yeah. Let's be honest. He's good. Slancha. Hope you're joining us on the whiskey. Ooh, uh, it's a little smoky. Ooh, a little scotchy. A little scotchy smoky there. That was insanely smooth at the, at the first tip. And then that hits you like a freight train. <laughs> wow, that was good. Oh, Liam, I, I love watching your reactions. <laughs> These are good. Um, so obviously we told you West Ham lost uh, to Neil to uh, Manchester City in the Citizens um, game. You know, we started the first 10, 15 minutes. West Ham United were on the front foot, putting in, uh, getting crosses into the box, earning a couple corners, uh, putting it on. They had a, a great chance from Bowen. It was kind of a blind wow. shot. He sent it as hard as he could. They were lucky to be in the way. Ball bounced out. Um, West Ham gave a good run early, but then the class of Manchester City set in. They were building out of the back, which is the signature Pep Guardiola. And then it was really, really hard for West Ham United to just get the ball and retain it. Um, you know, we, Manchester City has been called the killer bees in the past because they swarm. And West Ham got a full dose of the swarm. Um, late in the first half, um, we got to see Holland and what he brings to the Premier League, and the Premier League needs to be on notice because I think this guy is capable of scoring 30 goals. I know that you feel differently about that, but the player that I saw in this game was devastatingly dangerous. Makes a run into the box. Ariola, because Fabianski went out, we, we for neglected to mention that. So he goes out, hope he's okay. Seemed everything was pretty minor. Um, we should see him back in, in between the pipes pretty soon. But Ariola comes in. Holland makes a beautiful run. Ariola's caught no man's land. He has to make a decision. Goes uh, in to take the ball away. Clips Holland. It's a it's a surefire penalty. No uh, no argument about it there from my end. Holland slots it away. It's one zero. West Ham going at the half. They come out. Obviously, West Ham in typical David Moyes fashion kind of waits to pick their spot to start their attacking again. It's about the 60th minute. West Ham start to get on the front foot. They start to pepper the goal a little bit. They start to try to get back into the game. And wouldn't you know it, they get hit with a dose of their own medicine on the <laughs> counterattack. Gundogan, I, that was man of the match for me. I know Holland scored yeah. um, two beautiful goals, but Gundogan was devastating for us, uh, for West Ham United. Like It was really tough. Put in one of the better through balls I've seen. By the way, I did not know Holland was that fast. I thought no. a guy at that size, you just don't expect to move like that. Um, well, cause I think you look at people like of a similar build, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic or Cristiano Ronaldo, and you see guys that are bigger, that they have the quickness when they want to utilize it, but you don't typically see them breaking 
lines quite the same way that Holland does. And that was just, fuck, dude, I don't even know how to respond to that one. You know, and then even when he got on the front foot, he's clearly outrunning everybody. So it's literally him on Areola. Areola has position and he took the shot from almost outside the 18 or it may have been outside the 18. And he goes far post when he's going away to the near post was a hell of a finish. Yeah. Or, I mean, Areola, I mean, that's what a world-class striker does. You know, that's their job. That's why they're paid. The money they're paid is to beat that player. That pretty much was game set match for Manchester city. They had another look at goal that Holland had as an arid header. So he almost completed a hat trick Mm -hmm. um, against us. Thank God we held him to a brace. West Ham go down. To Neil, and I think for most West Ham United fans, it's hard to be mad, but you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm going to turn it over to you, Liam. Um, what was your reaction to that game and your analysis of West Ham United? I mean, it was it was frustrating, but almost in a good way because we came out, as you said, in those first 15 minutes, and we we really looked the stronger side. We had them on the back foot. We had multiple corners. We had multiple looks on goal. So I really felt like this was going to be sort of a continuation of our of our strong suit in last season because we definitely did hit a rough patch where it was just through injuries and suspensions. Just we had a lot of people that, yeah, I mean, it, it, like when you had a lot of people that were out, you had a lot of um, uh, players for World Cup. We had Mikel Antonio going overseas for Jamaica, which I mean, I get it. This was his opportunity, probably his last opportunity to get international football. Uh, but it just it it was more of a uh, a hindrance than 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 a help for us um, for pretty much all of last season. So I really thought like, hey, look, this is a pretty this is a solid lineup. I was surprised that Johnson was being played at center back over over Diop, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, and I I think I just maybe I, I, our expectations were too high, right? Like our eyes were bigger than our stomach going into our analysis for last match. But I think maybe it was. City had just fallen to Liverpool in the Community Shield. Uh, we had a really good run of form uh, for throughout most of last season, and I just thought maybe this was going to be a closer match. And really going back and re-watching it, as I typically do, I never really felt like we were out of it. Even after the penalty and even after Holland scored the brace, I never felt like, oh, we're just getting dominated, like, oh, we're getting run off the pitch. Um, I mean, I don't think there was anybody that came off the bench that drastically changed the tactics that maybe we needed to see a little bit more of an impact. Skamaka maybe being the 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 shining exception to that rule. Because I do feel like he came in, immediately had some really good touches, really good passes, and a strong look on goal. He was offside. And the, um, what's his name? Black Eye was able to get a, a hand to it. But still, like putting pressure on, giving the center back something new to deal with. I did like that 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 gave us a different approach at the top. So knowing that, like, if you are going to pull, they didn't pull Antonio off at that point. I think they had pulled off for Nals and then they waited a little bit. So we still had Antonio on the pitch to kind of play off of uh, Skamaka, but obviously he didn't come to fruition. He barely got into the squad. I think as the season progresses, we'll see a heck of a lot more of an impact from him, but all in all, man, I, I, I wasn't pissed about this game. I'm, I'm bummed out like I am for any loss, uh, but I didn't, I was definitely not doom and gloom coming out of it. I wasn't doom and gloom. Um, To me, I watched that match and it kind of let me know where West Ham stand in the pantheon of the best teams in the prem. And we're not in Manchester city's class. We're just, we're not there last year. I think that game we had against them, we took a two Oh lead. Bowen got the brace. I think I believed that West Ham were close to that class, but uh, with the acquisitions that they have made, um, you know, that's the thing about Manchester city. They don't ever have to rebuild. They reload. No. And so because they do that, I, it really, for me, just showed me, you know, look, Pep Guardiola, you know, you judge a chef by the ingredients that they have and Pep Guardiola has got the best ingredients in the world to play with at Manchester city. And so what he did, um, and, and how he's constantly kept this team fresh, even with all the winning they have done. I mean, it just let me know where they stand. I I thought there were glimpses of some great play from West Ham United, but it was too few and far between. Yeah. And I, I just think that when you play a team like 
Manchester City and you're a pretty good side, which meant which West Ham United are. They're a good side. That's what great teams do to good teams. They wear them down, they impose their will, and they capitalize on mistakes. You know, I don't ever feel like they had a player on the pitch that was totally dominating the game. Holland could have dominated the game had they have fed him. I, I don't think Manchester City understand how to use Holland yet because we saw some of the runs he made, Liam. I mean, the Premier League's never seen that. <laughs> right. You know, so... I mean, this guy is an athletic freak. He's 21 years old, and we're going to have to deal with him for nine, 10 years. And it's going to suck. It's going to suck um, because, you know, beating Manchester City now was always special, even more special if they have that guy on the pitch. Well, and it's, and it's tough too, right? Because for us, the late substitutions that we're using are for Downs and Coventry. And that's not any insult against them. I was glad to see them both get uh, some time on the pitch. For Coventry, I think it was actually his debut, his Premier League debut, which is massive, right, for for a kid that came up through the academy. But you have that from our bench, and you've got Calvin Phillips and Mares coming off of City's bench as, like, a time-wasting sub. And you're just, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's different. Like, for them to be able to dish off a player of the caliber of Raheem Sterling and pick up Holland as like the striker replacement. And even when Holland came off, like I don't feel like there was any one player that was like a immediate and imminent threat of really giving them that third goal. I think, you know, there were multiple players that had decent looks and decent, decent drives in on goal, but nowhere near to the caliber that Holland Holland had. And I think that's the difference for city is last year. They kind of had a striker problem and this year they really don't. So, uh, I mean, knock on wood for them, as long as Holland stays, uh, Healthy and and fit, they'll they'll. I think they'll take the league. Would this be the fourth time in five years? I mean, that's that's pretty insane. Yeah, it, it, they're a devastating side. I mean, I think um, on the Fresno Irons uh, social media pages, I think I just quoted. I just put Holland is good, mm-hmm. and then I put damn because I mean that that's literally what happened. I mean, if you take Erling Holland off the pitch. Manchester City probably win the game one nil. Let's be honest. That's probably what happens. Yeah. But they don't have near the threat, and we probably get more of the ball, and we may even squeak out a 1-1 draw. Yeah. But it wasn't just Holland. Like, Gundogan, and I can't stand him, but, I mean, he was <laughs> arguably the best player on the pitch. I, uh, I would have given him man of the match in that game, even though Holland had a brace. Yeah. I really thought Gundogan owned the middle of the pitch. Um, really for West Ham United on their side. Cause I, here's the thing. Rice looked tired. Yeah. Um, Antonio looked tired. Cresswell wasn't as effective, uh, for me. I, Cresswell tends to be a pretty good player for us, especially on the offensive end, getting the ball into the box. He's probably our best crosser of the ball. But I didn't think he was a liability either. I think, you know, he gave up some really or made some really dumb decisions in Europa last season. But there was never a point where I was like, oh, come on, Cress. Like, I actually thought he did really well holding down that left hand side. I, I was I was thoroughly impressed for honestly both wingers. And I thought that a lot of Manchester City's drives came in on the our right side, their left side. And I think Sufal did a pretty good job as well. There were some moments where I thought maybe he was on. He was wrong-sided when they were drive toward the the the, the byline, but uh, for Crest, man, I think it was a quiet night. But it, for both sides, he wasn't. He didn't do anything stupid defensively, but he didn't do anything amazing offensively either. Yeah, and he's he's sometimes that player can be a catalyst for us, like yeah. Cresswell. And I think when things are not going like like Bowen didn't look sharp. No, Rice didn't look sharp. You know, we just. The players we count on to attack didn't really look like they were in midseason form, if you will. Yeah. Um, now, why that is, I'm not going to speculate. I'm not saying that David Moyes is training or going to Scotland to do your preseason training instead of America, which we would all appreciate here, <laughs> is a bad move. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to tell you is the best player on the pitch for West Ham United was Vladimir Sufal, in my opinion. Um, because I think Vladimir Sufal does what he does. You know, when he gets home at night, he takes out his keys, wallet, and Jack Grealish. Yeah. Um, Jack Grealish, <laughs> to me, was shut down by Vladimir Sufal. When Grealish was making plays, he was coming through the middle, but yeah. he wasn't coming through Sufal's side. 
So, I mean, Vladimir Sufal showed his class, but Vladimir Sufal's never offered much going forward. So, really, West Ham United, to me, they weren't at their attacking best. And I am curious if they were, what that game would have looked like. Because yeah. West Ham is the team that scores ugly goals. We know that. They don't score pretty goals. We score ugly goals. But we score a lot of them. Yeah. You know, and we so. We like fifth best, I think, last season. Yeah. The fifth most goals. But that's West Ham. We're a blue-collar team. We make we score blue-collar goals. We don't score pretty goals. Right. And so um, I'm not saying that we can't do that. That's what we've built. That's what David Moyes built this team on is getting dirty in the box, winning the set-piece game. And when you do have goals, you know, you get them inside the 18. We score the majority of them from inside in, in there anyway. And so it's just West Ham just really struggled in that match to, I think, find their identity and try to impose their style of play yeah. onto Manchester City. And look, City make it hard on everybody. Yeah. But West Ham were able to do that last year in the first half, and then they got a little tight in the second half and allowed them to get back in the game. Yeah. But, you know, as far as it goes, how much do you really get upset about it? You, you can't. You played the champions. I mean, I would be more upset if I was the champions. The fact that I had opened up the season on the road. Yeah. I mean, here in America, you win the Super Bowl. You get to open up your season at home. Right. In the Premier League, you win. You come to East London. Yeah. You know, that's which let's be honest, that's better than the Eddie had anyways. So, you know. The, the shitty had? Oh, sorry. <laughs> the Eddie had is what you call it. Sorry. The E.T. had. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's an interesting... Uh, it's an interesting setup the way that they sort of put together these games, The you know, because you figure, what was it? Was it two? I know last season, we obviously, we were away at St. James's Park and we annihilated fucking uh, Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle four, was 4-2, four right? Yes, sir. 4-2. And then... Uh, uh, and we still the, let Callum Wilson score. Oh, we always do. It's like the consolation prize for that asshat. And then was it the year before that we were we had Man City as the opening match and we got decimated five nil. It was the last season that Pellegrini was in charge. It was literally the opening match and we get our asses handed to it. Or was that did we have St James's two years in a row? I think it was Man City sure. two St James. But that's but I think the 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 main thing is I, somebody had said the stat. One of the announcers had said the stat that it was like the seventh season out of like nine that we've lost the opening match like it's just it happens but at the same at this by the same token like it's not indicative of how this season is going to progress i mean yeah we're in the relegation zone right oh. now <laughs> but i i firmly believe this will be the only time that we're sitting in 17 18 or 18 19th or 20th knock on wood but i mean i i we're too good of a squad to be even bottom half of the table we're gonna sit at the top half the rest of the time well, with that, we're going to need some new blood coming into the team. And obviously, we had some departures this week since we last spoke to you lovely people that are listening to us, all seven of you. Um, it's eight so, now. Oh, it's eight. My, my mom started listening as Your well. Your mom so. started listening. Interesting. My dog She's, was listening, but he quit. Yeah, my, my so. mom says we we got to clean up our language. So oh, fuck. I'm so fucking sorry, mom. Yeah, God damn it. <laughs> all right. So obviously, the, uh, we're moving in. It's a Transfer news is going to dominate for West Ham. We're closing in on the transfer deadline. It's coming uh, sooner than we all want it to, especially with what West Ham have done. Uh, right now, West Ham said goodbye to a couple of players. The first one they said goodbye to went out on loan with an option to buy back. Uh, he's going to the Italian league, and that is um, Velasic. Yeah. Um, he's heading to Torino. Was a, I, I really liked Velasic. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that player? I mean, with Nikola Vlasic, I thought that was a, an interesting signing for us, mostly because of the price tag that was put on him. And he was coming from, I want to say, Spartak Moscow. So not, I mean, a good team in that league, but not one that I thought demanded almost a 30, 000, or 30 million pound price tag. Uh, we saw flashes of a really good player. And I think one of the things that Moyes seems to enjoy is a player that's versatile. He likes somebody that can play in multiple positions, whether it's a center back that can also play left or right. If it's a winger that can play fullback, if it's a central def uh, attacking midfielder that can play striker, whatever the case may be. Um, and that was one of the benefits with Vlasic. I don't think he ever really made the impact that we wanted him to. There were definitely flashes of a really good player in there, but I just don't think he ever got the time on the pitch to really showcase. And with the amount of games that we had to play last year, I feel like he should have, he should have impressed more with the time that he had. Uh, but we sort of saw that core group form 
and we knew who was going to be at the starting lineup. As long as everyone was healthy, we knew who was going to be on that pitch week in and week out because we knew those were Moyes' boys. Uh, and with Vlasic, I just never think he hit that. I would love to see him go and tear up the Italian league and then have us recall him from loan like halfway through the season. I would love to see that happen. I mean, if not, I mean, you know, best of luck to him. Hopefully he does really well. And then Torino triggers the uh, the buyout clause. And then, you know, we can bring in somebody else to to sort of fill that need in central to to left. What about for you? You know, I here's my thing with Vlasic. You know, he had time at Everton. Um, didn't really ever hit the ground running at Everton, never really caught on just like at West Ham showed flashes. I think he probably showed fewer, uh, fewer flashes with us. Um, the reality for me when it comes to uh, Nikola Vlasic is it's really going to be this. He's had two cents in the prem, hasn't been able to catch on. He's a good player. He is. I'm not saying he's not. And he's very successful in the Russian league. And I think he'll be successful in the Italian league. But in order to be successful in the Prem, you got to be a great player. Yeah. You know, even the lower tier players, they know how to work hard. Cresswell, to me, ever leaves the Prem and goes to another league, he's going to be arguably one of the better players. Yeah. So, you know, the way I kind of look at it is I hope that Torino do buy him. I hope he does tear it up because I, I think he always fought for the badge and I will never uh, say anything negative about a guy that loved the cross irons on his chest. But really, I just don't think he fits and I don't think he's good enough, as sad as it is to say, for what West Ham are. Two years ago, he clearly was good enough. Yeah. But where West Ham are now as a club and what they're pursuing, you know, they're they're being they're trying to be a team now that's consistently finishing in the top six. Yeah. So if that's the goal for West Ham, I don't think Velasic gets you there. No. And so that's kind of where I look at it is put in time served the club, did what he was asked to do. Guy's hungry, wants to be in the World Cup, needs to get game time. To me, it was the club did right by the player. We know we're not going to play him. We got him to a team that's going to utilize him. You know, Torino is an upper-mid-level team in the Italian league that he can go up there and, and do some good things. But really, at the end of the day, I mean, Velasic, it doesn't really bother me or concern me that we lost him. I'd rather see us replace him with a good young player that's hungry. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that leads me into the second player that we've had to say goodbye to. And I think this one's going to tick off Liam a little bit. So um, Issa Diop is yeah. no longer a West Ham United player. He is now um, a servant of Fulham at Craven Cottage. Yeah. And uh, signs a five-year deal to uh, move to that side. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, this this was, I think, a long time coming. If it wasn't going to be Fulham, it was going to be somebody was going to pick up uh, Diop. I know Chelsea was interested at one point. Or not Chelsea. Uh, uh, Newcastle was interested at one point. There were, there were a couple other clubs that had been sniffing around, both domestically and uh, overseas. With this one, you know, and I, I'm sure we'll get into it later on, but this was that player that, kind of similar to Vlasic, might have had flashes of, of uh, greatness. Every now and again, would do like a long ball over the top that would just absolutely ping Bowen or 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 Declan or or even Antonio. Like there were instances where you'd go like, "Oh, there it is. There's a good player." But he was always good for just one boneheaded mistake. Like Balbuena, right? Balbuena was a similar player where there would be elements where he'd have a, either a great tackle or a great through ball or a great header in the box. I mean, he, you know, that was the, <clears throat> pardon me, that was the turnaround against Tottenham. You know, uh, with with him getting his head on the ball, and that's where we came back to tie three three. But it's like with Diop, he was just that player that almost similar to what you were just saying about Vlasic. Just I don't think this is the right league for him. I think if he goes to a different league, not just Fulham, I think if he goes to a different league, he does really well. When Fulham inevitably get relegated at the end of this season, I think Diop will be a great defender in the Championship. I just don't think he's Premier League quality, uh, and I think it's it's shown throughout the four years that he was here. And I mean, really, if you've got four years and you're a fifth choice center back, I mean, that's, that's not a good look. Like nobody's looking at that being like, Oh, he'll come good. He'll come good. No, you've had four years. I think we brought him in. He was like, what? 21. You know, like he was relatively young. He's what? 25 now. Like it's ran its course. It's, it's time to move on. And just to echo what you said about Vlasic, 
let's bring in somebody else that can actually get the job done. Thoughts? I like Diop. I always liked him. I liked his stupid little celebration, sticking his tongue out. I thought he was cool. Um, you know, he's a Pellegrini hangover. Yeah. Um, obviously, we talked about this, you know, when you and I started doing the show together. When David Moyes came in for a second stint, there was something rotting inside the club. Mm-hmm. And Pellegrini definitely contributed to that. I'm not saying it was him, but he contributed to that. Issa Diop was a part of that, and we all knew it was just a matter of time. When you're bringing in, you know, a center back like Aguirre, that's a whole different class of player than Diop. Yeah. And we gave Diop was always bought, I think, with the intention that he's one for the future. I think that was the plan. Um, due to injuries, he did get into the team earlier than I think expected, and he had some brilliant moments early in his career with us. But then he started to, it's almost like he regressed with us. And whatever that was, I don't believe it was coaching. I just think the player maybe became unsettled, became unhappy, whatever it may be. But best of, best of luck to Diop, you know, at Fulham. Um, you know, he's playing in arguably one of the smallest stadiums I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, I love it when the ball comes near the camera, it almost has to go straight vertical for you to see what's going on. You get the top of somebody's head. <laughs> yeah. You know, but best of, best of luck to him. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sadder to see Velasic go than him. Yeah. You know, because I felt like Velasic, you know, really loved, you know, the opportunity West Ham United gave him. I'm sadder to see Masawaku go because that was a that was the best song. We didn't have songs for Diop or Vlasic. <laughs> I mean, with Masawaku, we don't have that song anymore. But yeah, so I mean, really, it's uh, it, it, I'm not too concerned with Diop leaving. I don't like the fact we're thinner at, at center back now. Yeah, but you know that brings me to we have some ends on the way, and I know you keep your ear to the ground on that. And there's definitely some center backs that we are looking at. So hopefully, you can get one across the line to replace him for the season and hopefully upgrade that room with the presence of whoever that player may be. So Liam, this is your wheelhouse, man. I'm going to turn it over to you right now. Who are the rumored West Ham arrivals? Well, we, uh, we had mentioned Ma- uh, Maxwell Cornet uh, last episode and literally the next day he signed for the club. And uh, I, I'm going on record. I wasn't excited about it. Still not excited about it. Oh, I'm and excited. I, and I, I hope it pans out like it does. Wasn't excited about Bowen. Look what Bowen is. Yeah. If Cornet yeah. does what he does, then, I mean, he did score nine goals for Burnley. Yeah. And it, for me, I'm excited because watching the video and, like, his interview with um, Governor, Governor B, and you just, like, you watch that and you're like, this is a guy that wants to be here. And ultimately with Diop, he was not a dude that wanted to be here. And like, yeah, he was laughing and chumming it up with Cornet when, you know, they're walking around, which I thought was odd. If you know this is a player that you're going to sell or put out on loan, like, why are you putting them in announcement videos with new players coming in? But I get it. They both speak French. You know, if you're either going to be him or Zuma or Ariola, like you're going to bring one of the French guys over there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited for that one. It'll be interesting to see if he's deployed against Forrest, but we'll we'll get into that. Uh, Attila Sazale, uh, a Hungarian international defender from Fenerbahce, uh, is on the short list for only about 10 mil. So it doesn't look like they're, they're asking for a lot of money for this one. Uh, he is a versatile defender, can play either center back or as a, uh, um, as a fullback. So he would fit definitely right into Moise's, uh, type of system. And this is an international player. So this is somebody that has played at stiffer competition. Uh, we also have Thilo Carrere is uh, a defender for PSG. Initial talks have occurred, uh, but there are multiple clubs that are interested in uh, in this signing. And I can't remember who it was, but PSG just bought brought somebody in uh, in that in that left back position. So it would probably be uh, time for him to make that move uh, to a club where he can still compete for that starting position. Because I think he'd basically be like third tier at PSG. Uh, interestingly enough, Ross Barkley. From Chelsea. I've oh, um, heard this song before. Yeah, this this song and dance has happened before. I'm not putting a whole lot of um, support behind this one. Not because I don't think he's a good player, that I don't think he'll do well for us. I just don't think Chelsea's a club that we deal with anymore. Uh, I think with the Broja or Borja, I can't remember which way the pronunciation is, but for him. I believe it's uh, pronounced cunt. I mean, yeah, uh, Borja. Twat. Twat. 
twat stick, something twat, like that. No, that's Twatnam. There we go. That's there twatnam. you go. Yeah, we always throw those two. It's, you know, it's inter- yeah, twatnam, Chelsea, Twatnam, twatnam it's interchangeable. Down the way from Shitty Hat, yeah. Yeah, there you go. But I think it's it's interesting, right, because this is a club that we categorically haven't really dealt with the last several seasons. I mean, other than when they were getting rid of Zuma, that's really the last person I can I can think of that came in from Chelsea. And it was the last person coming to Chelsea. We've had rumors to go get Chelsea players all the time. Every season. Um, we tried to buy Michi Batsuai. Yeah. Then we go. then Chelsea weren't using him. We tried to go in for loan for Michi Batsuai and it never it never happened. Yeah. So I mean there's been so many times where Chelsea players have been on the block, if you will, and we've been interested, but Chelsea always, you know, Chelsea is they're the card dealer in a in a uh casino that's what they are yeah they're always going to make sure the house wins yep and i think that that and i'll get into another player there's one more i want to cover uh uh, coop miners from atalanta uh but kind of similar to career where there's multiple clubs that are interested uh so while i do also think the signing would give us some additional depth uh on that back line it's not really one that I'm excited for. I think Carrera is probably the only one that I, and it's mostly because he plays for PSG. So, you know, he's played internationally. He's, he's used to that type of, uh, of competition or Cezale might be another one where I, I think either one of those would be a decent signing. Uh, but the one for me that the rumor mill has ticked off right, right, right now, right, right, hold on. We talked about this in pre-production. I'm just going to tell you right now, if there is truth to this and West Ham United have an opportunity to do it, Fucking do it. Mm-hmm. All right. I, drum roll, please. Yeah. But so Christian Pulisic. What the hell? Say the name again. Yeah, Christian Pulisic. And this one, this one threw me for a loop because apparently he's fallen out of favor at Stamford Bridge. And this was a player that they signed not what, two, two years ago for 75 70, million pounds. That is a most expensive American player in history. And that that's nuts to me. And you cannot say that his pedigree is not there. The talent is there. The pedigree is there. He has carried the U.S. men's national team on his shoulders until you got guys like Weston McKenney and Tim Weah, like really operating at their full potential. But it's Pulisic that is the engine that runs that team. When he's not on the pitch, it's a drastically different dynamic that Burhalter has. And for me... I actually thought he looked really good the last two seasons at Chelsea. Uh, I oh, was, yeah, because he scored two goals against us. Yeah, because he's, he's a twat, you know. Until he plays to the list. Then he's not. Then, then he's the best ever, right? But I think that's what's really interesting is you have a player that definitely fits a need for us, right? Like, we need somebody that can play on that left-hand side, that can play in the center. Basically, somebody that Ben Rama, we keep hoping, will be. I think Ben Rama was able to do that for Brentford, in the championship. I just don't think he's ever really been able to do it here at the Premier League. If anything, and this may seem odd, but I feel the same way about uh, Ben Rama that I do about Masuaku. There's moments where he's brilliant, like the goal against Chelsea last season that was apparently supposed to be a cross. There's moments where you go, there he is. That's the guy. But it's just not consistent, and he's not the player that comes on that completely changes the shape of the game. There's times that he does, like in the group stage of Europa League, he looked brilliant. That's not top-level competition. He looks great against lower-level competition. But anytime you put him up against like your Liverpools, your Chelsea's, your Man City's, it's not that he goes missing. He's still there. It's just not as impactful as you want it to be. Christian Pulisic is impactful. I think Christian Pulisic is the type of player that Jesse Lingard was for us when he was on loan. Not who Jesse is now. Jesse kind of sucks now, but that's fine because he's at Forest. And as we get into the the rundown for the this weekend's match, we'll talk about it. But I think Pulisic satisfies multiple positional needs for us. And he's the type of high-profile, uh, uh, big-name player that will come in and will want to do the job. He's not going to come in thinking he's God's gift to, to football. He's not going to try to... Uh, outshine anybody else and try to be the, the like top dog, he'll be fine to just be part of the cogs that make sure that the clock is running smooth. I'll tell you right now, every ear is going to prick up in America. If I mean, there's going to be a lot of West Ham fans that are going to come out of nowhere. And I'm fine <laughs> with that. You know, I, I'm, I, I want people to feel, I think whatever your reason is to find out about West Ham United, I think the club will make you fall in love with them. And once that player leaves, I think he'll that's just my honest opinion. Yeah. 
Um, my ears prick up when you say Christian Pulisic, but I, I, I am going to be that guy right now. And I'm going to say, I'm not really sure if he's the best option for us to go after right now. I think, I think you have to kind of look at it like a grocery list, you know, like (laughs) obviously you go to the grocery store, you can go down the candy aisle and the beer aisle and the chips aisle and you can leave. You've bought nothing you need, yeah, but you've got a bunch of shit. Yeah. You know, and you can figure out ways to survive on it. And so that'd be my worry for a player like Ross Barkley or Christian Pulisic. Um, do they absolutely make us a better team? They do. But at what cost? Because I am worried about the center back cover. Yeah. So this is what I will say. Ross Barkley, to me, his best days are, are past him. Yeah. Um, he hasn't played a lot since he left Everton. He wanted that move out of Everton so bad. We were one of the clubs saying, come to us and play for us. He looked at it as a lateral move. Cause I remember the story. He views it as a lateral move or a step backwards because he viewed Everton as a better club at the time when we were finishing higher in the table than them. Yeah. Um, and then Chelsea came calling and he took, he took them, you know, he took the name, the prestige. It's like, Sometimes you go buy Nike shoes because they got the swoosh on them. Well, we all know Asics are better, but because dads wear them, we don't want them. <laughs> so that was kind of the situation I felt like with Ross Barkley. So I, I just, I'm not going to put a lot on Ross Barkley. If we bring him in, I think he's going to be the same player he was at Chelsea. He's going to be sitting behind our other guys, probably be a super sub. You know, he's going to come in every game in the 60, 70th minute. And, you know, he's got talent. Pulisic, though, fits a need, but what's more important right now? A left-sided attacker, which Cornet can do, or a center-back cover? And we saw what happened last year with West Ham United. You know, didn't have the center-back cover we needed, and we took five points, I think, from our last nine games in the Prem. Yeah. And that was the reason we fell from fighting for fifth to seventh. Yeah. And that that's frustrating for me because no offense to the Europa Conference League, I'm not really that excited about it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm more excited about the Prem, whereas in Europa League, I was excited because it was a path to the Champions League there. Yeah. So that gave West Ham United two opportunities for the Champions League, which now we have one. And I, I don't care about any other trophy than the Prem trophy and the Champions League trophy, which I want to see my club hoist both of them. So looking at it, I'm not shocked at the center back names you gave us. I haven't heard of those players. I know a little bit about the PSG defender, and I think he is the better option. He's a little longer in the tooth, but I I think he is the option that fits it best because he comes in, he provides competition, he's played against the best. I I think he would help us. Yeah. The guy from Finabache, you never know about those guys that are coming out of you know, that league, but he is playing for one of the top two teams in that league. Right. So maybe he comes in and maybe he does do a job for us. Um, I just don't want to be making mercenary signings. So if you go bring in Christian Pulisic, does he want to be a West Ham United player? Or is this a landing spot for a season while he heads somewhere else? Well, you think about it from like, if you're, if you're a player, right. The, you're an American. You have no real loyalty to any Premier League club other than the one that's paying your your wages, right? So if you've got whether it's Chelsea that's playing that's signing your wages or it's West Ham, he still gets to live in London. He's already in like already in West London. He already understands the city. He knows the lifestyle. You're not asking for a huge lifestyle change for this individual. And he's also that guy that he's going to want to be one of the first names on the. Uh, you know, you know, he's still going to be that guy that's kind of like the the leader for the the U.S. men's national team. And I don't really feel like if he's not performing well for us that he completely lose his spot. But there would be talk about like, oh, are his best years behind him, right? Like, oh, is he not the wonderkind that everybody thought he was going to be? So he's going to want to prove himself. He's going to want to do well. And I think coupling him with players of around a similar age group like Bowen, like Dak, I think, I think you kind of build, you build that familiarity, you build that team mentality that we had so strongly this past season. I mean, really, these past two seasons where you know we crawled, clawed our way out of uh, relegation, 
And then, you know, the next season able to finish sixth, last season finished in seventh. Like, I mean, that's that's a huge turnaround. And people are all talking about this club as a club on the tuck on the come up. I don't think I don't hear as many newscasters and pundits saying, oh, it's a flash in the pan. West Ham's going to, you know, drop back down. Even Jamie O'Hara understands that we're a much better team than we ever were before. And to me, when you start getting everybody else sort of buying into what's happening, you've turned a corner as a club. And I think unless for some reason, Bowen, Moyes, Deck, uh, you know, uh, Fornals, Skamaka, like all, you know, Antonio, all these players just leave next season. The coach leaves, the staff leaves. I mean, then, yeah, it's going to be a drastically different team. But I think as long as the heart is still there, I think we're a contender, like without fail. I I think get the nail on the head. So, so it's now time to talk about the game preview coming up because I think West Ham's season is going to start this Sunday at 6 a.m. West Ham take on New Boys Forest. We haven't been the best against new promoted sides. <laughs> like Brentford got us last year. We still have not solved the riddle of Brighton since they've come up. But really, when you look at it, West Ham United um, hopefully can get the season started um, in a convincing way, I would hope. So they're playing for us, which gives us the opportunity. We're going to see Mr. Jesse Lingard, who, by the way, was arguably the worst player on the pitch for Forrest, won no duels, lost the ball a couple of times, didn't win on any of his dribbles. Um, So he had a very poor performance. So we do know Jesse Lingard's going to be focus he's going to want to prove something against the game because it is us he will be up the problem is he's going to have the players around him to allow him to do that yeah because we're going to have the defensive players clearly he's the only threat they really have so if we're going to neutralize that threat our best defenders will know where he is at all times so west ham united are getting ready for that game what are your thoughts on this match as it approaches before we get into the starting 11 I mean, I, I'm feeling fairly confident <laughs> going into this one, uh, not just because it's Forrest, a newly promoted team, but it's it, the difference with Forrest, and we talked about this a little bit last week, was, is that so many of the players that helped them get promotion were loan deals. And so they have a very new squad this season, and I think it's going to take them a couple weeks before they really get to the point where there's that chemistry and that consistency uh, I hope that we learned our lesson from City and we know that if we're going to play a game plan, whether it's high press or if we're going to sit deep and then try to hit him on the counter, whatever that whatever that looks like, whatever Moyes is looking at, uh, I hope that we we implement that and that we're not just sitting around trying to play to whatever Forrest's game is. But let's be honest, Forrest is going to go out there completely. The plan is going to be disrupt us. Everybody knows that the easiest way to frustrate our players is execute a high press. If they can force a turnover at the back, it, it, it negates our ability to counterattack effectively because you and I were talking about it during the match. We, we were not able to string together multiple passes, not in a cohesive fashion that would allow us to navigate past the midfield and, and, and allow our forwards, you know, our, our wingers and, and our center forwards to be able to get up and into the box in the first 15 minutes. Yes. But then once city had, had sort of settled out their midfield and they were able to execute a little bit more of a press when we were um, playing the ball from the back. I mean, you, you saw where very quickly we, we, we lost our footing in the game to some degree. I don't anticipate force being able to hold us to that, but we have seen teams like Fulham, Brentford, uh, Brighton for sure. Um, frustrate us and Fulham. I, I, well, not last season; it was two seasons ago. We won one nil on a very controversial goal, and then I think the other match was a nil nil or one one. It was like, it was a draw. So for that that type of a team, not strong, not great players, but still were able to hold us at a very very close match. Uh, I'm I'm hoping once we get into lineups, this will be a match that we should hopefully dominate. What about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Forrest will frustrate us, but I do think we're only have to deal with it for about 30 minutes. I don't think they have the players to run the press all game long. Now, they are granted five subs, so this is going to be – it's going to be interesting to see how the Premier League plays out. That's a rule that I don't think a lot of us have seen how it's going to impact because it's going to allow you to get more fresh legs on the field and continue to change tactics and do things. I don't think Forrest are good enough. 
Same way I felt about Newcastle at the beginning of last year when we took them on game one. Even though they scored first, I didn't believe they were better than us. And I have the same concept here. I wouldn't be shocked to see us go down early, but I do think that West Ham will, they will impose the will. The same way that City, what City did to us, I expect West Ham to do to Fulham because that's what a good team does to a a poor team. You know, you capitalize on mistakes. Poor teams are going to make mistakes. So West Ham is going to get their opportunities in order to do so. So I do I have worry about this game? Yeah, I'm a West Ham United fan. They were naturally <laughs> worried. Um, I I think that we are the better side. And you know, let me rephrase that. I know we're the better side. We just have to go out there and prove it. And this is what does when you don't surprise anybody anymore. I, think, I feel like the last 18 months, West Ham surprised people. Yeah. Oh, West Ham. West Ham's in third. West Ham's in fourth. Like what? Now I I, I think people know. Yeah. That what we are, and I think that Jared Bowen's not going to be able to sneak around. They're obviously aware of Antonio, Declan Rice. We all know what he can do. I think the you know the story's out. So it's going to be up to David Moyes to provide, you know, the tactics necessary and the motivation necessary to get this team to go out there and dominate a team like Forest who we should be able to do so. So with that said, who is your starting 11 for West Ham United in this match? So I haven't seen any updates as to whether or not Fabianski is full match fit, but I'm going under the assumption that he is because it looked like he probably just took a knock from the dive uh, when when they were pushing in on goal there. So I'm going to expect Fabianski in goal. I'm actually going with a back five of Sufal, Johnson, Zuma, Cresswell, and then Cornet. Uh, above them, Suchek and Rice, as as we tend to do. And then for the uh, front line, I'm actually going to go with Bowen and Fornals, and then Antonio up top. Uh, now, if Dawson is fit, uh, I think that Dawson probably gets the, the nod over uh, Johnson, and then Johnson will be swung out to the left, and Cornet will come in off the bench. I agree with everything you said except the front. I think we're going to get Samaka is going to make the start. Instead of Antonio? I think they're going to put, push Antonio out to the left, and they're going to go Bowen to the right, and I don't know if Fornells makes the pitch. I could actually see that. and uh, People have been calling for it because a lot of the times, especially towards the back half of last season, you saw Antonio drift left and actually have some really good success, some really good balls into the box. So people have been calling for that where you almost have more more of a hybrid two-striker system where you have Antonio where he can drift. Skamaka sort of stays in the box. And then if you need Antonio to still muscle his way in, then you can have Skamaka kind of drift out. The only thing with Skamaka is he's right-footed. But it's interesting because uh, Bowen's left-footed. So you're deploying a left-footed player on the right because you want him to be more of an inverted winger and be able to drive into the box and be able to kind of curl the ball in. Skamaka would basically be the same thing. If he had to drift out left, he's right-footed. So as he comes into the box, he's going to curl in or uh, cut in from the right, from the, from the left towards the right, and be able to curl the, bo- the ball. So I think either way, whether it is for now is making the pitcher Antonio and Skamaka on there. But the only problem is if you have them both on from the start, you don't have somebody that can come in to replace the sp- striker. Skamaka has to play basically all ninety, or you're uh, pulling Skamaka, pushing Antonio to the center, and bringing on Fornals or Benrama or Lanzini. And now you're asking Antonio to go full 90. I would love him to play a back four in this game. I don't think he will. Yeah. I think he's going to be a back three that can condense to a five. So that would be the only difference we really have. But I think the players you've chosen, that's how it's going to go down. Yeah, because if you um, end up if you end up having it be Sufal, Johnson, Zuma, Cresswell, then Cornet is more, that's your third midfielder, right? Across the line of Bowen in your setup, Antonio, Cornet in mine, it would be Bowen, Fornals, Cornet. Yeah. So... I think if you need to get four nails on the pitch, it's a formation change. If you're trying to keep those players, then you have to go to a back four. Yeah. So you can get four nails. Four nails is very, very good coming through the middle. Um, that's, I think, his natural thing. But I think the reason David Moyes loves him is because he'll go play wherever he's asked to play. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't think people realize how much four nails loves being a West Ham United player. Um, I, I've talked my shit on him, so I have to own everything that I've ever said. The reality is I think he still makes some bonehead passes all the time. But I will never, I can't talk shit on a guy that's going to turn up trees every time he goes out there. Yeah. And like, and think about it, right? We watched one of our own, right? We both of, both of us have watched this. And what, other than Deck, like what was the one player that they really made, current current squad player they made sure was interviewed for that 
Fornals. So you know not just what the like Mark Noble moon means to Fornals, but like what the club means. And I love Fornals when he was talking about I can't wait till my son is old enough to understand that I played with Mark Noble. And you're like, holy shit, dude. Like that. I don't think I'm getting goosebumps just fucking talking about it. You don't really understand what sort of a player Mark Noble was until you, till you're missing him till he's not that one of the five subs that could be brought on, but you can see what a lasting impact he's made on players like Fornals, who, as you said, will tear up trees. He will murder someone on the pitch. If David Moyes told him to <laughs> like that dude bleeds car- claret and blue. Doesn't matter if he was born in Spain. That dude is East London through and through. Yeah, literally has already said, I want to end my career in East London. Yeah. So, fuck yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I talked a lot of shit, but you know, <laughs> the guys West Ham through and through now. So with that said, uh, we've gone through a starting 11. Uh, give me your goal scores. Uh, so I think regardless of how that starting lineup is, I actually think that pretty much all of them score a goal. So I'm going to actually go that this is going to be a 3-0 decimation. And it's going to be Skamaka, Antonio, and Bowen all, all get fine in the back of the net. If it's not either Antonio or Skamaka, uh, I think one of the center backs gets it from a set piece. And I'm going to go with uh, Zuma. I, I have a final score of 3-1. Nice. Um, I do believe they will get on the score sheet because that's typical West Ham. <laughs> um, I have Antonio with a brace, and let me tell you why. Ooh, okay. So when we bought Antonio from Forrest, he was a left-sided inverted winger player that would get the ball and play off the striker. That's why I think Samaka is going to start. Antonio's going to get into a situation that he's very comfortable in. Nice. And I really think he's going to get a couple of goals. And I think Samaka gets himself one. Nice. And I think we're going to see a partnership start develop between those two players. Um, because Antonio is so dangerous coming in from the outside. He's so dangerous. He's good going through the middle, but he's great coming in from the side. And I think people forget what he was at Forest. And I think he's going to want to show out against Forrest, his former club, the club we bought him from. So I, I have a 3-1 finish. I have a brace for Antonio. Um, Samaka gets himself his first West Ham goal, opens his account. Um, that's what I see happening. Who's your man of the match? I mean, at that point, if you're giving Antonio the brace, it's got to be an Antonio. And to do it against his former club, too, would just be like, you know, the cherry on top. That's, that's pretty great. And really, when you think about it, if you do execute that, you're almost playing more of a four, four, two, which you really don't see that, that formation as much in, in football anymore. Uh, so it would be interesting to see them go back to like the Bruce arena four, four, two. So <laughs> uh, I, my man of the match for me is it's obviously, it's gotta be Antonio. If he scores a brace, if it's not Antonio, uh, to me, it might be Skamaka because I think he's going to cause a lot of problems. There's not a lot of film on him in the prem. Um, I don't think they understand what he is. Um, he's been called the baby, baby Zlatan. So I, I really like him. I think the two best forward signings, excuse me, the three best forward signings in all of the prem this year because I forgot about one. Um, I think Holland and Nunes are going to run away with it from Liverpool and Man City respectively. But I, I really do think Skamaka is going to jog on. I, I could see him getting double-digit goals. Yeah. He may not score 20, but he might get 13. Um, and, I I mean, I saw some flashes. That header he made, he was way outside the box. It had pace, power on it. Like, that's a West Ham header. Yeah. So that's uh, that's who a man of the match got to be, Antonio. If not, I think Skamaka is the one that gets it. Uh, so with that said, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for our red and yellow cards. Liam, hit me with your yellow. So my yellow card is, uh, we still have a thin squad. And I think selling Diop, putting Vlasic out on loan, putting Masuaku out on loan, it makes good sense from a business standpoint, but you needed to have the players in first. And I still feel like we're lacking depth in several positions, uh, ideally left back, center back, uh, center midfield. And I'll be honest, I still feel like we need another striker. It's great to have Antonio and Skamaka, but I think you need a third person and it should be somebody young, somebody that's hungry that can work their way up to it. But you still need that. You have to figure at one point when we had like Chicharito, right? Like we had four strikers at one point. It was like Chicharito, Andy Carroll, that dude that we sold to Celtic that never fucking kicked on. Uh, and then oh, what was that other guy? I mean, a bunch of Pellegrini signings that fucking didn't pan out, but whatever. The fact that you can't remember their name tells you. Dude, that's what I'm saying. It's like guys that came in for like a season and then we were immediately like. A Jetty was one of them. A Jetty, that's the one that got sold to Celtic. Um, 
but I, I think that's the thing is like it's you have teams like Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea that have this embarrassment of riches that to the five substitutions, this completely plays in their favor because it's not a matter of changing tactics. They already are going to deploy the same tactics that they're going to play week in a week out. This allows them to keep fresh legs on the pitch. And if Liverpool's up even one nil, they can change their entire back line and have complete fresh legs and then still have an extra substitution to replace Mo Salah or somebody, you know, that's that to me is where the five substitutions play in their favor for lower table teams. Same thing. You can replace an entire back line or you can throw, take off your entire striker in midfield and throw in 10 defenders. And you're like, cool, we're up one nil against West Ham or we're draw, we're at a nil, nil draw. We just need to sit deep and just defend constantly. Now we've got five, six center backs on the pitch. That to me is where anybody that's battling out of relegation is going to struggle. Anybody that's trying to battle into that top six, top four is also going to struggle to be able to combat that unless you have the depth required to do so, which we do not have. That's where my yellow card sits. What about you, Tex? I got to give it to uh, my good boy, David Moyes. <laughs> and this is why I'm going to give it to him. I am uh, not saying that you should be gone, but what I am saying is there needs to be a sense of urgency, sir. Yeah. Um, that's my biggest complaint about you. Uh, when you first came back, you wouldn't make subs till the 80, 85th minute. That was very frustrating for me. There needs to be a sense of urgency. Now that sense of urgency to me is lacking in the transfer market. Um, I think you need to get these deals done and you need to do what it takes to get them over the line. That's what good clubs do and it's what great clubs are willing to pay. Um, we want to be good in every aspect, not just on the pitch. We want to be good in our front office. We want to be good with our coaching staff. So once we get all that good, then we can push on to be great. So to me, my, my yellow card goes to Moyes. I, I don't really even think it's the board. I think Moyes has targets that he wants. And he's willing to wait and sit till the 11th hour, which is a dangerous game to play, especially when other teams are there. In this world market, you're going to overpay. Accept it. Deal with it. Okay? I've already accepted that any girl that I date from this point <laughs> forward probably has some bitch in her. That's just, I've accepted it. It is what it is. Okay? <laughs> so you just have to accept that and roll with it. That's my yellow card. Goes to you, David Moyes. Doesn't mean I don't love you. Yeah. Because I do. You're the silver fox. And you're the blue. If there's anybody that embodies the name Blue Steel, it is David Moyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So with that said, who is your red card for? So my my red card goes to Diop. And with this one, it, it, the big thing that frustrated me, and I, I, I don't know the truth of it because obviously I don't communicate with Diop anymore. I mean, we kind of had a falling out a couple of years ago. But you need some whiskey. I, I am going to need some whiskey for this one. I'm, I I, yeah, you I continue. I'll pour. Thank you, sir. Uh, with this one, the, the, the frustrating aspect, right, is that you've got a player that came in young, should have been hungry, should have battled for his place, and it just never kicked on. And then the, the that would be enough for me to just go, OK, it just didn't work out. We move on. You know, best of luck. Do what you got to do. It recently came out that he refused to play against City, which was why we deployed Johnson with Zuma in that in that back setup. I don't know exactly what the reasons were. I'm guessing because there were rumors that he was getting sold or loaned or whatever the case may be, but he got all pissy about it. And I'm like, look, man, you haven't done the work to deserve the 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 credit that you seem to think that you deserve. Like you're not gonna just walk into this team. You're a first fifth choice center back. You're a sixth cho choice center back at this point. He'll fucking put Declan Rice in that back line before he puts you there. So you can't sit here and try to make demands and be pissy because you never played the way to up to your full potential, or at least what the club thought was your full potential. By extension, I'm going to go ahead and throw my second red card. Yes, a fucking second red this card. This is a first on the Bearded first. Bastards Radio, a double red. In three years, let me take a sip. Manuel fucking Pellegrini. You fucked this club up so bad. Look, Bilic had his issues, right? He had some all-star players, you know, like Payet, who were able to kind of paper over the cracks. I get it. Pellegrini was given a fucking top four budget to bring in players. Million. Dude brought in garbage. Who the fuck is still there 
that was a Pellegrini signing? No one. He fucking, everybody's gone. Yarmo's gone. Frederick's gone, which you kind of brought to my attention. It was more of a board signing than a Pellegrini signing, but still was brought in under his regime. Fucking uh, uh, Anderson, Roberto, the worst goalkeeper we have ever had that probably any Premier League team has had in the history of the fucking Prem. Since 1992, there's not been a worse keeper than fucking Roberto. And it's and, and then Diop, Balbuena, right? That's another one who's just never quite kicked on. I don't know what sort of identification they were doing for these players, but it literally looked like they they had somebody tell them that somebody heard once that this dude was pretty okay. And th- they said, fuck it, let's sign him. I heard they had a dartboard and they just they just threw and whatever face it landed on, they went and went and got I, that guy. I firmly believe they were playing like FIFA. And they just played a couple seasons and then whatever players got transferred in, they were like, yeah, we'll go with that. I mean, it was a very heavy French and Spanish or South American uh, influx of players. And I get that that had a lot to do with his uh, whatever the recruiting manager was. I can't think of the name. Um, Some weird thing with the H. Sulos. Yeah, Sulos. I get it. Like this was a team effort to fuck this club up beyond recognition. But that's ultimately what it did is that Moyes got us back to being safe from relegation. And within 18 months and a hundred million pounds, Pellegrini had put us right back where we fucking started. We should be two years ahead of where we are now. Had the board just stayed with Moyes when Moyes came in to replace Billich, If we had just stayed the course, we would be two years ahead of where we are right now. And we are, fucking chasing our tails because of manual fucking Pellegrini. What about you, man? What is your red card? <laughs> oh, God. I love listening to Liam time. That's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, my red card goes to the fucks in West London. That is Chelsea <laughs> FC. Um, yes, I'm going to give you the red card. Why? Because I'm sick and tired of you trying to be the casino. Yep. Like, try stop trying to do this. You're not going to play these players. You have no vision to use them. Your whole situation's fucked up. You have a new owner there. Um, you look, Chelsea's not going to be what Chelsea was. So the reality of the situation for me is you're not going to play Brogia. Pulisic has fallen out of favor. Ross Barkley was never in favor. <laughs> okay. So sell these players and stop trying to be like, well, if we sell them to you, we get to name his firstborn child. Like, that's <laughs> such bullshit. Like, I'm sick and tired of Chelsea FC and this idea. Because let's look, you ain't got no history. You bought it all. Yep. We know this. Chelsea was never the club that you are now. Now, look, I would love it if West Ham did the same thing. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. But we have a history at West Ham. You don't. Stop trying to sit there and act like, like, your shit don't stink. You're not going to utilize these players. Yeah. Sell them. And I'm sick and tired of dealing with Chelsea. Literally, if I ever go to London, I want to shit in a bag, light it on fire and knock on Chelsea's door <laughs> and have them stomp the shit out and call it poop. Yep. <laughs> that's call a, the shit poop. <laughs> yeah. That's a Billy Madison reference. If you don't know, but really like, it's just, it's so frustrating trying to deal with that club because it's been on multiple occurrences. They've stepped in when we're interested in a player and taken the player from us and then never played him. Michi Batshuayi. Yeah. Broja was on loan. He is clearly not in your plans. And then they play him week one and they bring him in in the 70th minute. doesn't do much. Yeah. Like he's, he's not that kind of player that can come in in the 70th minute. You know, Southampton brought him in in the second half against us and he definitely changed the game. But you know, I just, I just kind of look at it, and I'm, I'm happy with Skamaka. I would not give up Skamaka for Brogia. But what I'm saying is I'm sick and tired of going through this six-cycle carousel with them. Yeah. Um, look, if you're done with Pulisic, we'll step in and buy him for $40 million. You're yeah. going to take a loss on him no matter what. Nobody's paying $75 million for Christian Pulisic. No. It ain't happening. Not now. So, you know, West Ham United... If you can finally, if you just answer the goddamn phone, stop being cunts about it and let's work out a deal. That's good for both sides. I'm not trying to screw you, but the fact that you're unable to work and you're trying to put the odds in your favor. Oh, a sell on clause. We want this much add ons. 
uh, we, you know, if he wears this this kit number, you have to pay us another fund. If he dates a girl with size C tits, you know, we get to see him. That's literally the shit that they are doing, and I'm sick and tired of it. So that, that that's my red card is for them. Um, with that said, that brings us to the end of the Bearded Bastards Radio. We are so happy that you did listen to us all nine of you because apparently we have a few new listeners now yeah um again if you want to get involved at the show please hit us up on uh, all social media platforms on twitter we are still going under um at a h a r w h u um if you want to reach out to us just uh liam and i you can reach out at any of the fresno iron social media that is at Fresno Irons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Obviously, if you want to comment on the show or you want to get involved, we'd love to hear from you. You can send in questions. Hell, we're so bad at this, we may even let you join us. Yeah. So um, <laughs> just please make sure uh, that you like, listen, subscribe on whatever platform that you may do. Um, and again, if you find yourself in Fresno, California on Sunday, and you're like, oh, shit, West Ham are playing. Come on down to Full Circle Brewing Company. Um, watch with the Fresno Irons. It is a private event, but we'll let you in if you're wearing a clear and blue. So do not worry about it. Um, again, 4 is 6 a.m. West Ham kick on their season. And believe it or not, Liam, you're not going to believe this shit. There is a Fresno Forest group here in Fresno. Uh, but they don't support Nottingham Forest. They're just like big fans of trees. No, Nottingham <laughs> Forest. What? Really? They are two people deep. So nice. the whole Fresno Irons, we're going to buy the whole group a beer. <laughs> going to cost us 10 bucks. Nice. So, you know, that, that's, there frugal. it is. If you're a Fresno Forest fan, come on down. We'll buy you a beer. But if it exceeds five people, we're not paying over $25. <laughs> the rest are on you guys. So uh, for Liam, this is text. Thank you for listening. And as always, come, come on, on, you irons. irons.